0: Okay, fellow horn toad listeners, welcome back to another edition of the Clagato Veteran Podcast. This is season four, episode seven, and on tonight's episode, we'll have a theme of self-sustaining res life. So, the first subject will be self-sustaining farm slash ranch. Uh, the second one will be flatbed trailers. The third one will be making a living, and well, that's pretty much. I guess what I was trying to say about this was making a living on the reservation. Uh, Number four will be purifying the land. And finally, number five, advantages of ranch animals. Once again, this is Mateo Native Ravager coming at you, bringing you some more interesting subject matter for us to discuss. And on this episode, I just kind of wanted to touch on these subjects more because I've You know, just recently, I've just been kind of thinking about all the stuff that we've been doing, and also a lot of this um, this subject matters was coming off of season one, I believe, when when I had like a lot of time in between what um, in between the episodes that me and Navajo Pedro were recording because I also wanted to make sure that we were trying to be more diverse in our subject matter and. Trying to make sure that I kind of hit the root of the problem of, you know, just having, just trying to get the point across that even though there is, there was at the time, you know, the public coronavirus pandemic that we were able to still make a living on the reservation. So that's why I wanted to talk about this for a while. So anyways, without you know, too much further distraction on the introduction, let's go ahead and jump into the first subject of the night. This one will be self-sustaining farm or ranch. And so for this first segment of season four, episode seven, self-sustaining res life, Um, This is self-sustaining farm slash ranch. And uh, this segment is about reviewing what materialism modern day Navajos require in order to live a simple life, which requires a lot more electricity to um, to make tasks easier. So basically what I'm trying to say by all this is that You know, as the more you try to become self-sustaining and live off of your your ranch and whatever you got, technology is always going to be there. It's going to be that thing that you need to help get things moving, order parts for your tractor or your wheelbarrow, or maybe, excuse me, possibly get another shovel. And excuse me, also, I wanted to talk about how I mean, the length of time that I'll try to do this in is about 10 to 15 minutes. So um, going off of what I said earlier about the, um, you know, just requiring uh, what, what materialism is required to have that simple life is, you know, a difficult, contradicting situation. And like I had said, it requires a lot of electricity to make tasks easier. And when we do these tasks, most of the time we are, um, you know, just like me, as far as trying to be a self-sustaining. Well, I'm I'm uh, trying to do small business um, using the nonprofit. So with that, obviously, I'm going to need a cell phone in order to make calls and to get a hold of people. But um, on that note it's really hard to work with the Navajo nation. You know, they, they've gotten themselves to this spot where, you know, there's a lot of people, this is common knowledge where everybody knows that, you know, it's nepotism. You have to know someone like a family member in order to get you in a position to where you can get a job with the res. And once you get that job, you know, you start to learn how to manipulate your time And then pretty soon it comes down to the point where you just don't want to help out people anymore, customer service. You want the, you want the job just so you can, you know, go driving around, cruising around or whatever, but also you're also, um, you know, wanting your paycheck, you're you're wanting all the benefits of working for the tribe, but yet, you know, customer service wise, you know, you're not really actually helping out people and then you're just, Once you get used to the the phone system, this is what I believe, once they get used to the phone system, that's where they know how to manipulate and say, oh, well, let me send you to the next um, available person in that department, or, oh, we don't do that here, you know, you have to call this number, or that's not, we used to do that, but we don't do that anymore, or the policy and procedures change, and now, you know, we do it like this, you know. So all kinds of uh, excuses, the way I see it, comes up out of it. But at the same time, like I said, you know, dealing with the Navajo Nation is is very um, it's difficult because you know you're you it really tests your patience. So when I've been working with this nonprofit, everything that I do with it, it's I'm pretty much going off of the reservation, finding those resources that exists um, pretty much on the Arizona side of the Navajo Nation. I'm, I'm using that. And um, like, I, like I had mentioned in the last episode about the stand downs, or was it a few episodes ago? But all this resources that are out there, I'm bringing them together. And then, like I said, for the past six years, I've been trying to get the veteran agency on board to realize that you know the the political side of the vehicle that they're driving it's it's got no more gas you know there's really not much they can do at this point it is a dead um organization the the agency only because these guys keep waiting on money and what i've been trying to tell them this whole time is we can make money we can invest if we work together you know Um, because not my, the, and the thought behind that is that a lot of the, um, veteran organizations, they are afraid to step out and try something new, try a new venture. And that's where they, you know, they limit themselves. And the only way they can make any progress happen is they know that they can get that money going. But for all these meetings that i've been a part of as far as the agency meetings go all of that has really gone to shit man it's really doesn't have any weight to it everything just reverted back to the way things were again because uh earlier i talked earlier today i talked to the clagato veteran secretary and what she told me was that um when she went to the agency office she gave them our plan of operations is what they wanted And that's what they were requiring since it's a new staff and they're trying to get everything and all these um, 26 – well, pretty much all over the Navajo Nation. But they're trying to get everybody, all the veteran organizations to be um, all unified by having the same – pretty much the same format for their um, organizations but just written with their own individual chapter names. So anyways – uh, the secretary was telling me that when she went over there, she gave them our plan of operations for Clagato Veterans Organization. And then she was told that that's the old one. It's outdated. They wanted a new one. So she, that lady showed her the new example. So uh, the Clagato Veterans Secretary said last week she just, you know, uh, was... Um, rewriting the whole thing all over again and doing it to the expectations of the way the Fort Defiance agency office wanted it to be written in. And when she gave it back, they said, Oh, well, we like the way you wrote this, but this is the other way that we're actually doing it. So can you kind of change some words around? And then uh, our veteran secretary says, no, I don't want to change it because once I do that, It's going to complicate matters even more. So anyway, so, you know, stuff like that, they can, it can be changed uh, or it can still be the same. And that's the real tricky part because every time we have these worthless agency veteran meetings, we vote on all these changes. And the next thing you know, they go right back to the old one. And then we're like, oh, okay, so you're going back to the old one. No, it's the new one now. It's the new policy. It, It got passed. And I'm like, um, you know what? Shit, fine. You guys do whatever you want, man. I I really don't care because I'm not going to be hopscotching and bebopping and jumping around and trying to kiss everybody's ass just to make everything the way they wanted it to be. Um, So I'm just going to go focus on my nonprofit, you know, and keep moving on with that because I'm seeing more progress with the nonprofit than I am seeing with the agency veterans commander meetings and all that garbage And that's where, you know, when they have this next agency meeting, I'm, I don't know if I'll go there, but the, that jerk off commander that was there, he's has to step down because he's running for a political office and yeah, good riddance, whatever. Yeah. Get him the hell out of here. And so anyways, other than that, um, going back to sustaining, um, you know, the, the ranch life that we have out here. Um, it's pretty much comes down to, you know, what you have and what you don't have. And there are a few places that I've been to, like taking a family member there or taking a friend over there to somebody's house that I've never been to another community. And I see what they have and I'm like, man, if only these people could just harness all this, what, you know, it looks like trash, you know, they could definitely make a lot of money off of it. Now I'm trying to do the same thing, but I've also got like a lot of things going on at the same time. But my point is that, you know, just trying in today's modern reservation lifestyle, we have to modernize a lot of things in order to sustain us, to keep us going. And it just reminds me of the Matrix Reloaded when Neo takes a a trip with, um oh man, I, I forgot what that old man's title was, but... They stand out and they look out at all the the rotating machine parts that are keeping everything going. And that old man says, you see that machine right there? I don't know what it does, but it has something to do with our air supply. And that one has something to do with our water system, Um, you know, like purifying and filtrating. And then that deals with our electricity. And then Neo tells him, well, you know, what we could do is, you know, we could destroy everything and let everything be natural. And that old man's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, we definitely, we could, there'd be nothing to stop us. But the only problem is, you know, the water would get contaminated and, you know, our, our breathing, um, our air circulation or however they have it set up, it would limit their breathing. And so they would be having like health problems. Some of them probably die. So, And that also kind of gives me another example I wanted to bring up about, you know, sustaining a life on the res in modern times is that, um, that young lady that her name was, or or her name is Greta, they say Thunberg and then some say Thunberg and, but everybody pretty much know who she is. And she is out there, uh, was it last year or two years ago, she was promoting electric vehicles. And she's saying that everybody should get an electric vehicle in order to... Um, oh, damn cat freaked me out. Um, <clears throat> in order to get... What was it? In order to help out with climate climate change. So what ended up happening was that she um, she's out there promoting that. But then at the same time, there are other countries that have to mine for cobalt, cobalt and lithium, I think it was. And that's just creating big old holes in the ground because these guys have to keep mining for it. And then, um, other people in other countries, they have to go out there and, you know, they're putting their lives at risk because there's no, I believe there's no like regulations on for safety and stuff like that. Then the other thing, um, about what that young lady was saying was, you know, you know, you got to respect her for trying to get the world back in order and a nice condition. And, you know, but the way the world is now, shit, that ain't going to happen, man. So even though the Washington democratic leadership at this point, they want all vehicles that are running on gasoline to be, you know, taken off and being like illegal or something and everybody to invest in electric vehicles. That's, you know, that's great, but realistically that ain't going to happen especially if you live on the res you know you you need your old vehicle your gasoline powered combustion engine to get you around because you know how to replace it fix it work on it and then with electric vehicles what what navajo really has the the knowledge to really mess with all that and fix it because if, even if you do know how to take apart the engine and all that the problem is when a part breaks you know you might have to go back to the dealership and have them replace it because they might have a special tool to replace that plastic piece that you accidentally broke. But, anyways, um, so all that electric cars—if we were to use those to modernize the ranch life on the reservation—oh man, it's it's going to be a real it's going to be a real tricky one because the problem that the world has and everybody has as far as being modern-day human that can hold a thought in their head is predicting the future. That is pretty tricky right there. Now, for the most part, you could probably follow trends like the stock market or pharmaceuticals or something, and you can actually know what the future is going to hold for that, especially like when it comes down to automotive vehicles, you know, what are we going to be expecting for that to happen? And if you're, you know, financially sound and you know how to deal with, um, Finance, you'd probably know when the next, you know, inflation burst bubble and all that stuff is going to happen and go down. And in the meantime, you know, while all that's going on, you know, it's on this res life. It it becomes more challenging because now we're going to have to educate ourselves on how to use, you know, like modern technology. And once you get to a certain point where the, the phone that you're using and the Wi-Fi you have and everything, it can only do so much before you start to say, well, maybe I'll just start a business because now I need a lot more resources than I had originally planned. And a lot of that takes more money. And there's new time-saving labor devices that are coming out. And I want to invest in one and get one. But in order for me to do that, um, I'm going to have to learn the, the owner's manual. I'm going to have to learn just how to run and operate this machine. And if it breaks down, some places are having um, the rule is don't bring the, the merchandise back. You got to send it to the main factory or something like that. So, you know, it's it's all going in a very like rocky road that we can't keep keep up with. So the world of business is just moving as it is and whoever's in charge of these departments and um, products, they're the ones that are changing the rules and we're over here trying to keep up. And so, you know, it's just something that I've been wanting to talk about and just kind of let whoever's listening to the podcast know that, you know, we can't. We can't really rely on the government when they say, oh, it's the coronavirus, you know, it's, it's taking over, it's uh, killing the people, and it's like, okay, well, you know, that's what you say, but the way we live out here says another. So anyways, with that being said, let's go ahead and end that segment, and we'll go ahead and jump on to segment number two, this one will be Flatbed Trailers.